When you are free, you live a life that sets other people free. God has more for you than you can ever imagine. Three words, hope, health, and healing. Amen by myself. Welcome to Midtown. Pastor Bob uh, was here last. I heard he just preached fire all through this place talking about a, a revolution in relationships. And, and today we're going to talk about a health revolution, a health revolution. Go with me to Proverbs chapter three. There's a word for us in Proverbs chapter three. It reads as follows. Proverbs three, verse one. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. From this text, I want to speak to you on the title, Health Revolution, Life from the Inside Out. Health revolution, life from the inside out. God, I pray this would be your message that ultimately you would be preaching and I would just be the vessel you've decided to use to say what you want to say to these, your beloved children, my sisters and brothers. God, I, I want to be obedient to your word. So please let it be done in Jesus name. Amen. amen. Health revolution, life from the inside out. We're in a sermon series called New Year's Revolution Beyond a Temporary Resolution. This is the month at the top of the year, every year, where people make New Year's resolutions. They make these resolutions saying, you know what, I'm going to start out this year right. Uh, We've jokingly said in this sermon series, a resolution at the top of the year is just a way to say I was wrong last year. I was uh, (laughs) There was a few areas I was wrong last year, so I'm going to make this resolution and get something right this new year. I actually went and did some research on the top resolutions people make. Are you ready? to? These are the top five New Year's resolutions. Number five, improve mental well-being. So the data, the, you know, all these surveys went out around the country and number five of the top New Year's resolutions was improve mental well-being. Number four, lose weight. Number three, be more active. Number two, eat healthier. They seem like they all go together. And number one, manage finances better, which Pastor Susie's going to preach on next Sunday. So out of the top five resolutions that are mostly made, health is in a lot of them. Improve mental well-being, lose weight, be more active, eat 
healthier. These are, these are right in the zone of the ones that I make usually at the top of the year. I go into the new year saying, yeah, that was too many biscuits. That was too many waffles. That was too many drive-thrus. I just too many drive-thrus. We just calling my name. That's my struggle. You know, everybody got their addictions. They got their vices. They got their struggles. They got their issues. Drive-thru. That's my issue, man. If you ever see me at the drive-thru, go, let's pray for Pastor Ephraim right now. Look at him over there in that drive-thru right there. What is he doing? Why does he keep saying, I said number five, number five. Many New Year's resolutions have to do with health. Health is deeply connected to our quality of life. Health is connected to what we believe. Frustration is connected to resolutions. We make resolutions many times out of the frustrations of the things we wish we would have done different the year before. Health is connected to these frustrations, to these issues. Because usually the frustrations is a connection between what is going on in my body, what is going on in my emotions, what is going on in my thinking. And there are companies, there are organizations that can't wait for you and I to step into the new year so that we can spend money based on these frustrations and these things that we've been dealing with in our body and in our mind and in our heart that we're now ready to do something about through a resolution in the new year. But here's the difference between a resolution and a revolution. Will you address your health? Will I address my health, here we go, based on commodification or crucifixion? Uh, what, What I mean by this is there are all kinds of organizations that know we're going into the new year frustrated about something that is probably connected to our health. And they're ready for us to spend our money. They're ready for us to buy this and buy this and join this membership. And I'm not, I'm not putting down. I'm not saying anything against joining a gym. That, that's a good thing. Getting a trainer. That's a good thing. You know, that, you know, changing your diet. That's a good thing. Spending your money. But there are some people that all they care about is you spending your money. They don't really care about your health, but they know that health is on your mind. It's in your heart. It's dealing with your body. And so they, they, they want to commodify health. They just want you to spend spend a bunch of money on stuff that you're not going to actually continue in for the whole year. So you bought that bike and it's still sitting up there. You bought that treadmill. You had all the best intentions in your mind. You bought that gym membership. You were like, you were throwing out the money. You was throwing out the money. You was throwing out the, you was throwing out the money on things that only lasted 30 days. That was a resolution. But maybe the things you're spending money on In the name of health, you would keep going at it if there was a revolution in your heart. That's the crucifixion. What do I have to die to to live? What do I have to die to so I don't die too soon? What do I have to die to so that I don't die before I fulfilled what God put me on earth to fulfill? This is a health issue. We can either go the route totally of commodification when it comes to our health and just spend a bunch of money on things we won't be committed to, or we can have a heart revolution. We can have a revolution take place on the inside of us, and then the things that we put our money towards in the name of health, we will stay committed. What do I have to die to so I can live? Our faith should be connected 
to our health. So here, um, the biblical context is Proverbs. And Proverbs is one of the books that gives us insight into biblical health. Because health biblically is connected to spiritual health. Uh, Biblical health is not separating the spirit, the soul, and the body of a person. It's saying these are connected, and when we disconnect them, it impacts our ability to be healthy. And so to truly be healthy over the long haul, we cannot disconnect ourselves as spirit you know, the, the God connection, we are spirit beings. We can't separate ourselves from we are soulish beings, our emotions, our thinking, the process on the inside of us that leads us to making a decision. And we are physical beings, and we should not separate our physical beings from our soulish beings, from our spiritual being, Amen. because the Bible doesn't separate it. Amen. So biblical health at its core is from the inside out because it's spiritual health that then governs the soul and the body. It's like what is at the foundation of who we are that gets to decide who we are long-term in our emotions, in our thinking, and what we do in our lives physically. You can be making physical decisions, decisions with your physical body either based on blessedness or brokenness. And so, so many people want to fight and go, I want the freedom to do whatever I want to do with my body whenever I get ready. It's mine. And, 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 and I'm not talking, I'm not saying that people should live in a nation or in a situation where their bodies are enslaved. Of course not. Or, you know, where people have power over their bodies. But, but it's still a warped, broken mindset to think that your body in and of itself is just yours and not God's. Because when you think your body's just yours, it's not God's, it's just yours, it's just yours, then you're going to make decisions based on who you are on that given day. And so when you're broken you, you're going to do some brokenness with your body. When you're, when you're anxiety you, when you're, when you're stressed out you, when you're angry you, when you're unforgiving you, when, when you haven't got past what happened in the past you, what are you doing with you? This is why biblical health doesn't begin with I own my body. Biblical health begins with I am made in the image of God. I am the creation of God. Before I was formed in my mother's womb, Jeremiah chapter 1, God knew me. God called me. Before your mama and your daddy knew you were even going to exist, God knew you were going to exist. So our science and medicine can't even describe when life begins because God decides when life begins. Before you were formed in the womb, God knew you. What does that say about life and when it starts? And, and, and this broken world doesn't even get to decide when your life ends because the world will say your life ends at your funeral. But the Bible says your life goes on in Christ Jesus into eternity because your name is written in the Lamb's book of life if you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Who owns life and death? Not me, not you. Who owns this? Not me, not you. God, I I mean, I got to get into the main points. Let me get out these appetizers. (laughs) Biblical health, I'm almost there, I'm almost there. The Holy Spirit as a source of health, health from the inside out. 
The Holy Spirit should decide what's in my heart, what's in my mind, and how I deal with it. That's where health begins. Salvation is health and wholeness. It says it this way in 3 John, verse 2. 3 John, uh, well, let me just read it from the top, and then you'll get to what it says on the screen. Uh, 3 John, the elder, to my dear friend, uh, uh, Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health. And that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. You see the connection there? He's saying, I want you to be healthy. But your health is not based just on your outside appearance. That's what we do in our world. We look at somebody's outside appearance and we decide if they're healthy or not. And so we put up a picture of somebody's physical being and say, you're not healthy. And we put up a picture of somebody else's physical being and say, that person is healthy. That person is healthy, that person's not. Before, after. And, 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 and I'm not taking away from physical health. But, but John is saying here to his dear friend who he loves, I want you to be healthy. That I, want, I, want you to, I want you to enjoy good health that all may go well with you even as your soul, your emotions, your thinking is getting along well. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. So he's saying your physical health is connected to what's going on in your soul, and that's connected to walking in the truth of God over the long haul. Health connected to walking with God over the long haul. Biblical health. Now, Proverbs is about biblical wisdom. And the book of Proverbs is connecting wisdom and knowledge and understanding with health, which means the longer you go in life, you should be picking up information, picking up principles and values. You should be getting educated in such a way. You should be getting knowledge and wisdom and understanding that would help you be a healthier person the older you get because you should know more now than you knew five years ago. You should know more now than you knew when you were a child. You should know more now than you knew when you were in junior high, when you were in high school. The older you get, the wiser you should get. The more mature you should get, the more knowledge. Now, some people, for whatever reason, in our nation, if you don't believe me, just watch the news. If you don't believe what I'm about to say is true, go home and watch CNN, Fox, and MSNBC, and then take some Advil after that. (laughs) But if you watch all three of those channels... You will see examples of people that have made a decision to stay ignorant. There are people that the older they get, they still believe what they believed in junior high. They have a new group of people that they keep up with around election season. They call them the uneducated. You notice that now? Like there's a, they, they never really used to talk about this group. But now whenever there's an election for governor, for mayor, for senator, for president, there are different groups. That, it used to just be the liberals and the conservatives and the independents. Now they go the under-resourced and the uneducated. And they put, these, they put them on the mic the most. Like, like they just, they, this is so bad. But they go somewhere, I, I don't know, in Idaho. Like they go somewhere. That was so bad. Does, is there anybody here from Idaho? I, I'm sorry about that, but it, it, the Holy Spirit just gave it to me. I don't know how that happened. I know, I know, I know, I know. I, I should have picked a place here in California, but that, I'd have been more close to get in trouble. 
So, so it is a health problem when human beings refuse to grow. To, when wisdom is in front of you and you refuse to get it. When knowledge and understanding and maturity is staring you in the face and you say no. I turn down wisdom. Proverbs is part of what's called the wisdom literature of the Bible. The wisdom literature of the Bible is connected in some ways to at the culture at the time of ancient Egypt. Ancient Egypt and other parts of Africa are the first places to come up with what is called wisdom literature, wisdom information, which is why it is such a farce when you can start a whole slave system. Since we're going into February, I can talk about this. A whole system saying that people on that continent were less than human and uncivilized and uneducated, not fully human. That's ridiculous. How could a place be the place of of the uncivilized and the savage that is the place that is known as the epicenter of wisdom and knowledge and understanding, math and science. So Proverbs, in its genre of literature, borrows off of the dominant genre of literature in northern Africa at the time. Okay, And so Proverbs is borrowing off of this, but the difference between Proverbs and the ancient wisdom literature of Egypt is that this book of wisdom literature centers Yahweh, centers God. Centers Yehovah. At the time back then, Egyptian wisdom literature centered Pharaoh, but this book centers the creator of the universe. There's a choice we have to make. You can either seek after Pharaoh's knowledge or God's knowledge. You can seek after Pharaoh's wisdom and understanding and power or God, the empire or the kingdom of God. This is a health issue. Amen. Okay, okay. So, so let me go into the three points very briefly. <laughs> I know. He was like, what was that? I told you it was appetizers. <laughs> that's, that, that's, if you got too full off tater tots, chicken wings, and nachos, that's your problem. I, <laughs> you didn't know steak was coming? We, we had a little staff uh, celebration on Friday, and, and one of the staff, we had appetizers out. And, man, they went through the line twice. And then we was like, okay, now we're about to have the main meal. And it's like, there's a main meal? <clears throat> I was like, yeah, you, why are you in the appetizer line so long? We'll be back to this podcast episode shortly, but we wanted to take this time to give you an opportunity to give. Why do we give? At Midtown, we believe that giving is both an act of worship and a command. And the psalmist says that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So when we give, we're simply giving back to God what belongs to God in the first place. For those of you who give regularly, thank you. And if you're new around here, there's no obligation to give. We just encourage you to give however God is leading you. You can give digitally on our website or our app, but let's take a moment to pray right now. God, thank you 
that you have given us an opportunity to partner with you in the work that you want to do to display your goodness and your love to the world around us. So God, take this offering right now, multiply it and use it for the good of your people and for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let's get back to our podcast episode. So here are the main points on becoming healthy for life. Becoming healthy for life. One, staying a child of God. If you want to be healthy your entire life, if you want to have a health revolution right now, I don't care how old you are, you are never too old to be a child of God. You are not too grown to stay a child before God. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how grown you are. I don't care how many bills you're paying. You own your home. You bought that car. I got it. You, you, you pulled yourself up from your bootstraps. Yeah, yada, yada, yada. You're, you're staying a child of God is the key to a health revolution in our lives. Proverbs 3, verse 1 and 2. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. They will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Let me stop right there. Who do you trust with your health? And let me say right after the top, right off the top, I am not speaking against going to the doctor. You better get your tests. Brothers, if you are past 40, Never had a colonoscopy. We're getting real, real this Sunday. Wow. <laughs> Pastor Ephraim, why don't you stick to theology? Not colon. Wow. I'm, I'm serious. There are too many people in church praising God dying too early. So I'm, I, if, if we're going to talk about health, let's talk about it. Go to the doctor, see your therapist. See your counselor, take your medicine. I am not speaking against that in any way. But what I am saying is stay connected to your heavenly father. Here's the deal. My, my mom and dad are here. Raise your hand. My, my, my mom and dad are here. Raise your hand. Okay. So my, my mama will tell you, when I was a kid, I didn't trust no doctor. And you would ask my dad. They would take me to the doctor, Dr. Brown. That was the doctor, Dr. Brown. In Minneapolis, when I knew I was getting a shot, I started running. My dad had to hold me down, I think. I think you had to hold me down. My mom and dad are both here so I could get the shots I needed. I didn't trust Dr. Brown. I trusted Dr. Brown eventually because I trusted my mom and dad first. When you trust your heavenly father first, all the other people, all the other systems, all the other things you need to trust will come in place. Because I trusted my mother and my father first, based on their instruction, their wisdom, their knowledge, it helped me go into a sinful world and know who to trust and who not to trust. Know where to go and where not to go. And so when you trust your heavenly father with your health first, all the other right things you need to do will come into place. God is not against doctors. He let a doctor named Luke write two books in the Bible. He ain't against medicine. If God was against doctors, God wouldn't let a doctor write two books in the Bible. 
So, so God is for that. But when you trust God, every other person, every other system that you need to trust for your health and your life will fall into place. Are you with me? Yes. Health is about staying a child of God. Part of Proverbs, a portion of it is written by King Solomon. He was known as the wisest king ever. Now, we don't know if Proverbs 3 was written by him or not. There's parts of Proverbs that, that through history that, that theologians, most of them agree that there's a chunk of Proverbs that we know for sure was written by King Solomon. This chapter, chapter 3, we don't know for sure, but it aligns with what Solomon wrote. This, this book, you should read it. It's like a parent lovingly writing to their child to live well, to be healthy, to prosper, to do better than they did. If there's any parent in here that ever prayed to God, cried tears, wanting better for your children than you had growing up, you can identify with this book. I'm old enough now. I have two grown daughters. I'm old enough now to truly understand the book of Proverbs. I, I, I can read Proverbs and I can truly understand now what my mother and my father wanted from me growing up as a child. Staying a child of God. Be, become an adult, but stay a child before God. Uh, uh, number two, becoming healthy for life. It's one, staying a child of God. Two, surrendering all to God. Proverbs 3, uh, beginning with verse 3 let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. See what I was already dealing with that? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit or surrender to him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Surrendering all to God. In all your ways, submit to him. Will you give your mind to God, your thinking? Will you give your heart to God, your emotions? And you don't have to fix your mind or fix your emotions before you give your thinking and your emotions to God. Give your emotion wherever they are to God. I love the Bible because it's so real. We, we, we need, this is why we need to present the entirety of the Bible in our teaching and preaching. Because in the Bible, there are broken people crying out to God, sinful people, poor people, arrogant people, suffering people, failed people, crying out to God. Just give God your heart, surrender your heart, your mind, your, your, your life to God, no matter where it is. Let God fix it. Stop trying to fix you. Surrender all to God. And when you surrender all to God, you'll come to the realization that you're the temple of God, that you're made in the image of God. 1 Corinthians 3, uh, beginning with verse 16, it, it, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth and he says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. If somebody's trying to destroy your health, 
If somebody's trying to break you down, oh, God ain't having that. Don't mess, see, see, don't mess with my church when you're a Christian means don't mess with you. Don't mess with your marriage. Don't mess with your singleness. Don't mess with you. You are God's temple. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person for God's temple is sacred. You are sacred. You, your body's sacred. Your emotions are sacred. You're thinking, you. Now, there might be frustration. There might be sin. There might be brokenness. There might be anxiety. There might be stress. But you are God's sacred, beloved, valued child. And you together, we together, are the temple of God. When you leave this building, you have not left the temple of God because you are the temple of God. Now, now for those of you that ain't been in, in church for a while, I ain't giving you a pass, but I'm just saying. You think you stopped going to the temple of God. If you were connected to Jesus Christ and the reality of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you, you are the temple of God. Now, you need, might need some renovation. You, you, you know what I'm saying? You, you might need to change the windows. What you looking at? You, you know, but, but you, you know, but you are the temple of God. You are the temple of God. If, if, if that is true, and I believe it is, it's biblical. If you are the temple of God, then what if some of the aches, some of the pains, some of the things you're feeling in your body is letting you know that you strayed away from living as the temple of God? You should pay attention to what your body's saying. There's a book that I'm going to refer to two books right now. One of them is called The Body Keeps Score, Brain, Mind, and Body in the Healing of Trauma by Dr. Bessel van der Kolk. And I'm also going to refer to a book called The Garden Within, where the war with your emotions end and your most powerful life begins by Dr. Anita Phillips. Now, in The Body Keeps Score, and, and the first thing I want to do is there's a diagram that I, that I'm gonna, I want to put up right now. And it, it, so this diagram right here, what, what the Body Keeps Score book is getting at is there's a deep connection to what is going on in our brain, what is going on in our lungs, what is going on in our heart, what is going on in our digestive tract, in our intestines, and our emotions. So how you might be feeling in your stomach is not just based on what you ate earlier. What's going on in your stomach could be connected to your emotions, your anxiety, your brokenness, your triggers, your past. And so health issues are so deeply connected. God created us. Maybe God did this on purpose. God purposely designed your being in such a way that if you don't pay attention to your thinking and you don't pay attention to your emotions, the last resort is your body will tell you. Your body will tell you what you've been ignoring in your mind, what you've been ignoring in your emotions, your body will say, hey, 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 hey. And that's why your foot hurt. That's why you got a knot in your stomach. That's why you got pain in your shoulders. That's why you got pain in your neck. That's why you got headaches. Because what is going on? Your body keeps score. Your body keeps receipts. Your body is clapping back 
to what you've been thinking, what you've been feeling, and how you've been behaving, and the decisions you've been making. That's what the body keeps score is telling us. What is your body telling you? Your body is talking. Your body's saying something. Don't ignore it. This is what what Dr. Koch says. While we all want to move beyond trauma, the part of our brain that is devoted to ensuring survival, the deep below our rational brain, is not very good at denial. You might be good at denial in your brain, but your body is not good at denial. Long after a traumatic experience is over, it may be reactivated at the slightest hint of danger and mobilize disturbed brain circuits and secrete massive amounts of stress hormones. This precipitates unpleasant emotions, intense physical sensations, and impulsive and aggressive actions. So what happens is you're not paying attention to what's going on in your mind and in your heart, and all of a sudden you start feeling aches and pains. Your body's trying to talk to you, and instead of listening to your body, you take it out on somebody else's body. Because you are not paying attention to your emotions. You are not paying attention to your thinking. And now your body is breaking down on you. And instead of paying attention to your body and connect back to God, you start hitting other people. You start damaging other people's bodies because your body's so damaged. You start hurting people's bodies because your body's so hurting. You start messing with other people. You get violent with other people because there's violence on the inside of you. Y'all ain't got to say amen, but I know I'm right. I know I'm right. I know I'm right on this. You can sit quiet and look down. Look at your feet. you like, get to point three. No. I got more. In the book, The Garden Within, where the war with your emotions end and your most powerful life begins, Dr. Anita Phillips says this, you can become more aware of your emotions by noticing how your body feels. Whether it's a stomach full of knots before a work presentation or full of butterflies before that third date, when emotions flow, your body feels it first. There's another term. I'm getting real scientific today. Epigenetics. Epigenetics is talking about uh, from a a heretical step, like passed down to you. Let me say it. Let me just break it down. you know, to the ground. You could be carrying on the inside of you, on your gene, the brokenness of three generations of trauma. What you're, you, science is figuring this out. You could be carrying your grandmama's pain. You could be carrying your granddaddy's pain. And your body's trying to tell you this. So every, this, this should free you. Everything you feel in ain't your fault. Everything you feeling ain't your fault. Some of it is from grandmama and granddaddy. This is why when people want to detach from the past or rewrite the past, it ain't helpful for health. This country will never be healthy trying to rewrite history. Slavery wasn't all that bad. They ate three times a day. This country was never racist. 
You better let Harriet Tubman have a word on that. You better let Denmark Vesey have a word on that. You better let Nat Turner have a word on that. You better let uh, uh, Lot Carey have a word on that. You better let Zilpha Elaw have a word on that. If you don't know none of them names, Black History Month starts in a few weeks. You better let Fannie Lou Hamer have a word on that. Diane Nash have a word on that. Ralph Abernathy have a word on that. John Lewis have a word on that. Malcolm X have a word on that. Benjamin Mays have a word on that. W.E.B. Du Bois have a word on that. Maria Stewart have a word on that. Jarena Lee have a word on that. Black History Month starts in a few weeks. We can't rewrite history. And you can't rewrite what's going on in your gene right now. Let's get healthy, y'all. Truth will set us free and you'll live longer too. Ignorant people die every day, <laughs> early. Okay, okay, point three. Point three, point three. Becoming healthy for life, staying a child of God, surrendering all to God, seeing your past, present, and future differently. Proverbs 3, beginning with verse 13, says this. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding, for she, she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. Huh. We need an economy of health before we deal with an economy of the economy. She is more precious than rubles, rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. This used to be a hymn. Y'all ever heard this? this is, there's a hymn based on this text. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways and all her paths are peace. peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, those who hold her fast and will be blessed. Tree of life. This is so good because this is getting back to the Garden of Eden when there were three trees and there were actually two trees that the human beings could have access to, but there was the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Do you know that God never denied Adam and Eve the tree of life, but he denied them the tree of the knowledge of, of, of good and evil in such a way that they would be deceived by Satan? Do you understand that? We always had access to life. We, God, from the very beginning that God created human beings, he gave us access to health. Sin is what disconnected us from health. We are unhealthy because we chose the wrong tree. We ate the wrong fruit. Verse 19, by wisdom the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding he set the heavens in place. By his knowledge the watery depths were divided and the clouds let drop the, the dew. My son, do not let wisdom and understanding out of your sight. Preserve sound judgment and discretion. They will be life for you. You know, um, in Exodus chapter 4, it's a story of a man named Moses in a conversation with God about his purpose. There's a connection between health and purpose. And in chapter 4 of Exodus, God has already said in the previous chapter, Moses, go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. It is not healthy for people to live in a slave system. Not healthy for them mentally, emotionally, or physically to live as a slave. 
I want you to go to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go because they are healthier in my hands than they are in Pharaoh's hands. Oh, that's a, that's a sermon right there. You are healthier in God's hands than Pharaoh's hands. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, so, so, so Moses says, I'm not qualified to do that. God says, see that staff in your hand because he was tending sheep? He said, throw that staff on the ground. It became a snake. And, and God said, pick the snake up. <laughs> if you had a pencil in your hand and you dropped it, and it became a snake, what would you do? I want all the ones that say pick it up to come to the liar's line over here. (laughs) So, what does this snake on the ground represent? The staff represents Moses' present condition. When he threw the staff on the ground and it became a snake, it represented his past. That's the serpent, the accuser, the liar, the deceiver, slithering at his heels, saying, you can't go to Pharaoh, you're a murderer. You can't go to Pharaoh, you're a sellout. Your people was in slavery, you didn't even say nothing. You sat there in the privileged palace looking down on your enslaved people and didn't do nothing. And then when you finally did decide to do something, you killed somebody. That's the snake at the ground. Uh, um, uh, uh, The snake is saying, you don't even know who your mom and daddy is. You just assimilated into the system of Egypt. You ain't nobody you didn't even finish college. You went through a divorce. You didn't even raise your own kids. You can't keep a job. What is the snake that's keeping you unhealthy because it's haunting you? Some of us are unhealthy because we're haunted by our past. Let me give you a word today. Your past is not meant to haunt you. It's meant to hone you. Don't let your past haunt you. Let your past hone you. Let your past make you stronger. Let your past mature you. Let your past make you rise. Don't let your past haunt you. Let it hone you. Ah. That's the devil's a liar, ain't he? Now you figured out how. I'm coming to my clothes now. I'm coming to my clothes. Because I want you to get healthy. What do you need? What do you need? I decided this year I needed a revolution. I have a trainer named Kyle. Y'all gonna, y'all gonna see me? Watch this year. You just watch. You just watch. You just watch what's gonna happen. I'm chunky pastor right now. I know, I know, I know. I know, I know. I'm, I, every time I say my, one of my names is Lil Rev, some of y'all look at me like, mm-hmm. Now, I'm gonna be Lil Rev this year. Watch, watch. When I come out here, I ain't sick. I just been working out. I got a trainer. I also got a therapist this year. I got a therapist. I got a spiritual director. I got all that. Man, I worked with Bob and Susie. I needed everything I could get. 
be getting me and Bob, so I'm getting hurt this week. I'm getting hurt this week. But let me close with this. What the Bible is really telling us is that um, if your inside and your outside isn't healthy, it's not too late. It's not too late. The next thing that God told Moses to do was to put his hand under his shirt. And when he pulled it out, it was leprous. And when he put it back, it was healed. What this is telling us is if your inside looked like your outside, how would you look right now? If you looked like your emotions, how would you look? If you looked like what's going on in your brain right now, if you looked like what kept you up last night, how would you look? Here's the good news. If your inside and your outside is not where you want it to be, it's not too late. That's the good news. That's the good news. That's the good news. It's not too late. That's what resolutions are all about, sisters and brothers. Saying it's not too late. It's not too late. So don't wait and get that gym membership. Don't wait. Change your diet. That's what the world says. It's not too late. So don't wait. But you know what God says? It looks like it's too late. But wait. That's the difference between a resolution and a revolution. A resolution says it's not too late. So don't wait. But... A God revolution says it looks like it's too late. But wait, look at God. That's what the Bible shows us, sisters and brothers, is every time it looks like it's too late, wait, look at God. Oh, when it looked like it was too late, for Moses, he's a murderer, didn't know his mama and daddy. He's got identity crisis. He's on a mountain trying to hide out. It looks like it's too late, but wait, God says, set my people free. Look at God. When Daniel was thrown in a lion's den, it looked like it was too late, but wait, God was with him and he slept well with the lions. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown in the fiery furnace and it looked like it was too late. Wait, God stood in the furnace. If you're in the furnace right now, Dr. Jesus will step right on in next to you. He'll step into the furnace of your pain. He'll step into the furnace of your headaches. He'll step into the furnace of your brokenness. Look at God. Won't he do it? It might look like it's too late for your marriage, too late for your mind, too late for your heart, too late for your career, too late for your finances, too late for your body. I dare you, if you feel like it's too late, wait and watch God. Wait on your healing. Wait on your strength. Wait for your peace. Ah, wait on God and see what he will do. I know the devil is saying it's too late, but the angels in heaven are saying, wait on God. Thank you so much.
much for tuning into Midtown Church. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast for weekly messages to stay rooted in the word and for a dose of hope, health, and healing in your life. Want to get more connected to Midtown Church? Just visit us online at midtownchurch.org.